No, I'm not, I'm not leaving, but I was coughing a little bit during the first service, so I'm uh, a little insurance. <laughs> uh, so I've done youth ministry for quite some time, you know, about, about 12 years now. Uh, and a classic youth ministry technique is, is when you meet for youth group, you start with a game. And so I'm going to start with a game this morning. And bear with me. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, there was an analysis done uh, in, uh, a few years back. And what it did is it calculated by the time the average Westerner, by the age they were 70, how much time they had spent in their life doing certain things. So how much time, by the time you're 70, how much time have you spent doing certain things? And I want to see if you can guess. And you can do it out loud or just, you know, in the quietness of your own heart, uh, you'll know whether you were right or not. How much time, by the time they were 70, has the average person spent sleeping? It's 20 years and three months. And as a father of young children, I say absolutely no way. Uh, apparently at some point later in life you catch up. <laughs> Um, watching TV, 10 years and five months, eating and drinking, seven years and six months, in transportation, in a car, train, airplane, five years and nine months. And this one, uh, this one really got me. How much time does the average person spend sitting at red lights? <laughs> Six months. Which I'm going to be honest, that's kind of how long I felt like I was sitting at a red light on my way down McBean to church this morning. Like, I'm pretty sure that McBean is just Greek for red light. Um, <laughs> uh, and last... Waiting in line. How much time have we spent waiting in line? This is 18 months. And you know what struck me about all of this? Is that that is a lot of waiting. Between the red lights and the waiting in line, that is nearly 13,000 hours that a person will have spent waiting by the time they're 70. Now, according to Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Outliers, he says that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. So we should be well on our way to becoming experts at waiting. But most of us aren't, right? Because <laughs> waiting is hard. Living in the unknown, the in-between, the transition times, and yet we spend so much of our life there, waiting. When things are changing and we're not sure what's next, where we're not sure what God is doing. Today in our text, we pick up with the disciples in a time of waiting. It's the time between the ascension of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
where Jesus tells them, wait for the gift my Father has promised. You see, in Jesus Christ, there is a sure hope that we have for the future, but that doesn't mean that life does not have its times of waiting, of uncertainty in between what came before and what comes next. We spend a lot of this life waiting. And so today, my hope is that we would learn from the disciples how to wait well. To learn from the disciples and from the text today, the art of waiting. And so what do they do? According to today's text, they do three things. They obey Jesus, they pray, and they trust the promises of God. Obey, pray, trust. I really wanted them all to rhyme. I couldn't pull it off. Don't tell Pastor Garrett. (laughs) Step one in the art of waiting is obeying Jesus. You see, our text today begins with the word then. And the implication of that is that something has just happened which is consequential for what is about to happen. And so today's text is best understood when we understand it in the context of what came before. Now, Acts chapter 1 starts during the time uh, between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension 40 days later. It's an account of the time that Jesus spends with his disciples, the things he says to them. In, in Luke, the author of Acts, he focuses in on a specific teaching of Jesus, a specific thing he tells his disciples. In verse four, he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised. And so what did they do? According to verse 12, it says, they went to Jerusalem and waited. They did what Jesus said. In those times of waiting, when we don't know what's next, what we can do is do what Jesus said. You see, in one way, the will of God for our lives can be obscure. It's not always very clear. You know, we have big questions, unknowns. You know, some of you are making decisions about where to go to college or trying to figure out what you're going to do after college. You know, some of you are transitioning from one season of life into another, and you're just not sure what to expect. You know, maybe it's the questions about whether or not to take the new job or make that big move. There are big questions in life, specific questions, and it can so often feel like God's will about those things is unclear. And yet there is another way in which God's will for our life is crystal clear.
one question that I like to pose to people in a small group setting is this. What is one thing that you know with absolute certainty is God's will for your life? And I'll ask you today, what is one thing you know with absolute certainty is God's will for your life? And maybe something comes to mind. Hold on to that. But it's also okay if something doesn't. I can help you. (laughs) Because I know for a fact at least one thing that is God's will for every single one of us in this room today. For you and for me, here's one thing that I know is God's will for your life. Do not murder somebody. Simple, right? It's right here. Do not murder somebody. Uh, And another one, if you've already got that one on lock, if if you're not currently or planning to murder, here's another one. Don't be a liar. It's right there. And if you're wondering how to do it, it's actually very easy. Just the the next thing that you tell somebody, make sure it's the truth. And the thing after that, it's baby steps. Because while we may not have the answers to the big questions of life, the things we would love to know, the reality is that God's will for each and every one of us is that we would become more and more like Jesus. And we do that by loving him and doing what he says. So when you don't know what God's will is in the big questions, you can know that there is something you can do here and now. Obey Jesus. And you can start with the small things and be faithful there. Because in one of Jesus' parables, he says, those who are faithful with a little... I will put in charge of much. So we can be faithful in the little things. You can be honest. You can cut out the gossip. You can pray for the people you don't like. And pray good things for them. You can apologize to the people you need to apologize to. And forgive the ones you need to forgive. Whatever it is. You know, if we're being honest... You don't need a preacher to tell you where your life is and is not in line with God's will. I think most of us know. And so to wait well, we do what we do know in the face of the unknown. And so immerse yourself in God's word. And seek to be obedient to it. Now, if you currently aren't spending time in God's word regularly, two things for you. The first is if you're not currently spending much time in God's word, don't be surprised if you're not hearing his voice. And the second... It's not hard to start. Pick a gospel. Read a chapter of it as often as you can. Once a day is great. If it's not in the cards for life right now, as often as you can, turn your heart and your mind towards God's word. 
And as you do, ask God to reveal to you how you can live in obedience to the teachings of Jesus. And he will begin to teach you about yourself and himself in the process. The first step in navigating those waiting times, those times of uncertainty, is to be obedient to the word of Jesus that is right in front of you. And the next thing, step two in the art of waiting is to pray. See, the disciples gather together and they pray. And when you are in those waiting times, pray constantly and pray with others. Because prayer tunes our heart to God. When we pray honestly, God searches out our hearts and minds and he teaches us about himself and ourselves. And when we pray together, we tune our hearts as a community to the will, of, the will of God. Now, I imagine that there are a lot of you here today who would say that you've had an experience in your life where God has used somebody else to teach you something important about him. You see, when we pray together, when we share our lives with one another and when we are open to hearing from each other and from God, we take advantage of the abundant resource that is God's people. And so I want to encourage you to invite others into your prayer life. Ask them to pray for you and ask them to pray with you. And I know praying out loud with others, you know, there are a lot of folks for whom that is a difficult thing to do. It's uncomfortable. And I get it. Because the things that we tell God in the quietness of our own spirit are some of the most personal things about us. And so we can be self-conscious I've met a lot of people who feel like, oh, I'm not good at praying. I want to tell you something. My daughter Kayla is horrible at talking. Her English skills are total trash. She is one. <laughs> uh, all she does, she just babbles all the time. Constant babbling. Zero actual words. Super bad at the English language. And I love absolutely everything she says. I love it. Your heavenly father does not think you are bad at praying. He loves it. And I don't think your friends, your spouse, your small group... They're not there to judge how good you are at praying. Prayer is allowed to be clunky and it does not have to be eloquent. It just has to be honest. So praying together, inviting others into our prayer life, teaches us what it means to be the people of God. And if you don't have someone in your life that you're praying with right now, 
You can start with just one. And if you're married and you and your spouse both have faith in Christ, then I highly recommend that you pray with your spouse. Do it every day. Or you could pick a close friend. You know, maybe it's someone who's right here in church today. And if it is, then that's extra easy because you could just talk with them about it out front. It's simple. It's not awkward. And if they're not, maybe you have one awkward conversation. Hey, we've never done this before, but I would really appreciate it if we could pray for each other regularly. And the fruit that comes from one, maybe a little bit awkward conversation, is far It far outweighs that little moment of feeling self-conscious because it taps into one of the great treasures of the kingdom of God, and that is to pray for one another. Because when we pray, we lay out our hearts before God. When we do that, he transforms our desires transforms our hearts, and reveals himself to us. The second part of waiting well is prayer. And the third is trusting God's promises. You see, the disciples, they were in this time of unknown, of waiting. Their entire world had been shaken up. One of their very own had betrayed Jesus. And they had seen him right before their own eyes, beaten and tortured and murdered on a cross. And then he rose from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. To say that their world had been turned upside down is an understatement. And yet their hope, their faith, Their trust was that God's promises to them were good and that his word in the scriptures was true. They trusted God's promises. And so Peter stands up amongst them and he reminds them of what the scriptures say. He said, these are things that needed to happen. And so they trusted that even though things were uncertain around them, that they couldn't see the big picture, that they had a God who could. And that their circumstances were not unknown to him. And I want you to hear that today. Neither are yours. What you're going through is not unknown to God. It is so easy to sit in our own minds and think we are alone and isolated like no one understands. And yet your way is not unknown to him. He knows it. He sees it, and he's with you in it. And so trust in his promises. You see, that's the firm foundation that we have in Christ. That we can stand in faith on the promises of God and in the face of the unknown. We don't have to face it with anxiety and fear. And we can do so with faith because we have seen where it's heading. We know where it's going. Now, one of my favorite movies when I was younger was Miracle on Ice. 
You know, it's the movie about the 1980 uh, U.S. men's hockey team that defeated the Soviet team in the Olympics and would ultimately go on to win a gold medal. Uh, and one of the interesting things about that movie is when it came out, before anybody ever saw the movie, everybody already knew how it ended. U.S. wins. <laughs> that doesn't mean the movie wasn't an emotional roller coaster. But amidst it all, in the ups and downs, no matter how low it got, there was always this sense underneath it all that you knew that somehow it turned into victory. And that is the life of faith for you and I. That where we are today, that is not where things end. We know that on the other side of the cross is the empty tomb. We know that on the other side of the desert is the promised land. Our hope is secure in Jesus Christ. And as Philippians 1, 6 says, he will complete the good work that he has begun in you. In Romans 8, 5, if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently. And so we trust in his promises and we wait. Because you see, in the kingdom of God, waiting is never just waiting. It is preparation. It's preparation to receive the things that God has promised are already ours. To receive what he's preparing for us in this life and in the next. Now, there's this stat that's very interesting to me. It's not surprising at all. In fact, if people are actually like the Bible says we are, then the stat makes all the sense in the world to me. It was this. Uh, of people who have won a seven-figure or larger lottery jackpot, 70% are completely broke within five years. They squander it away. They weren't ready to receive it. I read a story a few weeks ago uh, of a guy who bought a brand new Ferrari and crashed it two miles away from the dealership. He wasn't ready to receive it. <laughs> Obedience to Jesus prayer, trust in the promises of God. These are the things that prepare us to receive that which God has promised, to receive what's next. It's a major theme throughout the whole story of scripture. You see, God promises Abraham in the Old Testament, he promises him a family, and that that family would become a great nation, and yet it is 25 years before his son is born. The Israelites, delivered from slavery and Egypt. And it would be 40 years of preparation in the desert before they would inherit the promised land. 
King David. Anointed king by Samuel. And yet it would be 15 years before he would assume the throne. And everything that happened between the, the day of the anointing and the ascension to the throne was preparing him to be the king that Israel needed. You see, God is at work in your life. He's preparing you to receive what he has promised to you. And he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And for you and I, brothers and sisters in Christ, the people of God, our inheritance is heaven, the kingdom of God itself. Abundant life for today and eternal life on that day. That is what God is preparing for you. And if you're here today and you don't have faith, I want you to hear that it can be yours. That the promise of God is for all who place their faith in Jesus Christ. And if you want to know more about that, what that means, talk to me after service. I'd love to chat. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this. That no eye has seen, that no ear has heard, that no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him. That means you. It means me. Do you believe it? And do you believe that it will be worth the wait? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, life is full of so many uncertainties. So many times where we don't know what's next and we can't see what's coming. And yet you do. And so we pray that in those times we would trust you that we could take the step, the obedient step right in front of us and trust if the next step and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that are steps of faith, then we will end up exactly where you want us. Lord, we pray this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.